You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is now going for the green with Daily Roto. Good evening. Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is the debut show of Going for the Green with DailyRoto.com. We've got with us today Mike Leone and Colin Drew of DailyRoto.com. And we're going to make sure you got everything you need to be great for the Sony Open. And guys, it's nice in Hawaii. It's beautiful in Hawaii. But every once in a while, there's a little wind there that disturbs our golfers. Because there's nothing worse than a little wind. If you don't believe me, you can ask Buffalo's Mike Leone who saw Blake Bortles not be able to throw in the win this week. So, of course, it affects golfers. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well. I, I would have been better if the Buffalo Bills had managed to take advantage of that Blake Bortles performance. But uh, we've, we've got golf on tap. Golf is one of the best DFS sports out there. So if you're new to it, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, we have Colin Drew with us as well. Colin, now uh, you're not uh, complaining about the Buffalo Bills there, but uh, you enjoy your golf as well. Yeah, I'm a Patriots fan, so uh, unfortunately we don't get to play the Bills next week, but can't get everything as a Patriots fan. I got a little what gift, is- though, with the Titans, so I can't, we can't be complaining there. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh Looking forward to this week of golf, though. It should be a great tournament. Finally, a full field event. You know, last week was just a little warm-up with the 30-man field, so we finally got the real deal this week. Now, Mike, you you do uh, many sports now, and Daily Roto has a ton of offerings. What, for the people that are listening out there, what is the differences between golf and, say, fantasy football, where everybody just came off fantasy football, maybe they're looking for something else to play? What is the difference between uh, fantasy football and uh, fantasy golf? Well, you know, on Sundays when you're sweating fantasy football, it's a pretty crazy six hours with everything going on at once. And then imagine that just times four days with golf. I mean, you've got golfers teeing off in the morning, in the afternoon, so you're looking like eight, nine hours of a sweat. Not that you have to be paying attention every second, but it's a lot of fun to track through the weekend. You really get a lot of equity, a lot of you know entertainment value return on your dollar spent. And uh, But you do have the cut. And the cut's a big thing. So imagine if, you know, for NFL DFS, if your quarterback was getting pulled at halftime. That's sort of what's happening here, where if you don't get guys through the cut, you're not going to get points on the weekend. So that makes it really different from the other DFS sports. Colin, what can people go over to DailyRoto.com and what kind of help can they receive from you guys with such experience in the golf world? Yeah, we've teamed up with Data Golf this year to produce our fantasy golf offerings, and we're offering a ton of different things for all of our customers. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is the projections that they offer. So in fantasy golf, it's not just you know the score that a golfer gets over the tournament. It's also how many birdies they make, how many eagles they make, how many bogeys they make to lose points. And all of that stuff is factored into the projections over at Daily Roto. And there's a bunch of other tools that are offered. There's new head-to-head tools. You can pull up Spieth and DJ side-by-side. You can dive into all their different stats and breakdowns. And then can build lineups with the new optimizer that we have. So really excited about our partnership with Data Golf. You can go over to DailyRoto.com and get all that. But tonight, we're going to give you a little breakdown of what you need to do to be successful. So stay tuned for more. Go into the green. Coming up next, course breakdown that will make you successful and tell you which golfers you need to put in your lineup this week. Hello, 
friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the Draft Kings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Welcome back to Going for the Green. We're at DailyRoto.com. We're getting you ready for this week's golf contest. You can play DFS golf, of course, at all uh, the fine DFS sites across your Internet. And this week, of course, we're out in Hawaii with a par 70 course that measures 7,044 yards. And these are on Bermuda Greens. And when I look at this course, from everything I read, it says the fairways are thinner, they're small. But we've had long hitters win. We've had short hitters win. Mike, what do you think of this course and what kind of golfer are we looking for? Yeah, it's a golf course where it's challenging to hit the fairways you know some of the most difficult on the tour in terms of hitting those fairways but what's interesting about this golf course is if you miss those fairways it's not that penalizing as a result uh, there's not really one specific type of golfer we're looking for it does reward good iron play but it, again it's just tough to isolate one statistic you might have a lean on strokes gained approach shots because of the rewarding of good iron play but you know we had justin thomas just crush this golf course last year and he's more of a bomber type so you're going to see a lot of scoring a lot of birdies made the winning scores often minus 20 or below so it's it's some you want someone that can take advantage and uh, put up a really low number but as far as one specific stat or anything i don't think there's uh, anyone that stands out over the other Colin, you know, one of the things that's hard for the new player is the key statistics that people hear. You hear, like, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained putting, par four scoring. And the one that I always love is when they tell you you need birdie or better percentage. Because I don't know any tournament that you wouldn't want birdie or better percentage. Yeah, I think what they're trying to get at there is just the fantasy scoring rewards making a birdie and then a bogey more than it does two pars. And so on a course like this, where the winner might be minus 20 or lower, you really are going to need someone who can make a ton of birdies. A U.S. Open might be a little bit of a different scenario there. You might see the winner finish like two above par. So someone who can grind out two pars might be, you know, okay in that format. So I think that's really, you know, why we're looking at things like birdie or better percentage um, when we're trying to make fantasy golf projections. And the top 70 make the cut here and, and ties. They move on. The past winners were Justin Thomas, Fabian Gomez, Jimmy Walker back-to-back years, and Russell Henley uh, were the winners there. Jimmy Walker back-to-back years. Uh, Mike, he has the uh, notation of being very good in Texas. So he actually won a couple tournaments in Hawaii. Yeah, he won in 2014, 2015, but he's also missed the cut four times in 11 years. So really up and down and volatile. And the course history conversation is always an interesting one to have, a big debate over how much you should weight course history. And the guys at Data Golf did a really cool study on course history, and they they came to the conclusion that it matters, but only a little bit. So you'll see on our projections at Daily Rota how much they're weighting long-term form versus recent form versus course history. And uh, by far the most important statistic that Data Golf is putting into these projections is long-term form and then a lower degree recent form in course history. 
You know, it's interesting. When you look at the course history from this tournament, you see uh, Jordan Spieth, of course, the top salaried golfer. He came in third last year, but in 2014, his other appearance, he came in 96th. And then you have Mark Leishman, who's uh, finished at worst 37th in his last five attempts. Kevin Kisner has the fourth and fifth the last two years. Zach Johnson, a sixth, ninth, and eighth in three of the last four years. And Webb Simpson, three 13s in a row. Three 13-place finishes in a row. Charles Howells had some success here. Colin, how do you feel about the course history, and how much does it come into play? Yeah, I mean, Chucky Three Sticks made the cut 16 times in a row here, which is pretty impressive, I think. You know, he also makes the cut at a bunch of other courses. For me, it's not so much the course history for individual golfers, but trying to make sure that if you can figure out a profile of a player that the course fits. Um, And I think with this course, there's not one profile that it fits. You know, you've seen the success, some of the guys that you name, but then you see Justin Thomas go out there and win the event because he can club down and hit irons off the tees. So for for us, I think we're tending to look at more long-term form than we are trying to drill in specifically just on course history. But some of these guys that have good course history are some of the best long-term form golfers anyways. Yeah, you know, it's an amazing thing is when we talk about uh, some of the skill sets as we go each week through different golf courses, and this one seems to be uh, there's no set way to go and attack this. Mike, how do you start your lineup up? Do you start with the high-priced golfers, or are you looking for value somewhere uh, within the board and you could find it at the $7,000 range, $9,000 range, or you're just looking for value? And how much is it that you try to find the winner of the golf contest? I'm usually starting with value, and uh, the way I like to do that is find out which pricing tier I want to attack the most. Uh, whichever tier's got a couple of golfers that I think are just head and shoulders above the rest of the guys in the tier and sort of build my lineups from there. So it sounds weird to say, but I'm not looking at the field and saying, who do I think is going to win this week and finding that guy and playing just because it's really difficult to peg the winner. I mean, Data Golf has Jordan Spieth with a 12% win probability this week that's more than double the next closest golfer so it's just improbable unlikely that you're going to be able to consistently peg that winner so i'm looking at the DraftKings scoring the fan duel scoring uh, the overall profiles of the golfers so this week for example we'll get into some more specific guys later but in that 8k range tony finau daniel berger guys that i really like as uh, guys who can put up good DK scoring rounds. So I'm going to build starting with those two guys on a different week. It might be a very expensive golfer, but this week I'm starting with that 8K ish tier. Carl, we just talked about course history. We said recent performance uh, is a little better indicator of the golfers. But early in the season, how much does it come into play uh, with recent performance and how hard is that to track when we're this early in the season? Yeah, it's definitely something that's really hard to track. You know, you have a lot of golfers who take the month of December off. Those who don't are playing European tour events or perhaps playing in Australia. So you don't get the same level of data that you might come April when the Masters rolls around. And so because of that, I think long-term form is one of the things that we want to lean the most on uh, early in the season. You also kind of have some of the golfers who might have had a bad season last year, whether it was someone like Jimmy Walker who had Lyme disease or someone like Gary Woodland who had a lot of personal, you know, family stuff going on. And so hopefully, you know, a lot of those situations and injuries have cleared themselves up. So I think that's another opportunity to look for people that might be good values early in the season. How much does the uh, Bermuda greens and uh, greens from one course to another differ, Mike, in your research when you put it together? Uh, you would think that would only affect the putting. Um, how much does that come into play? 
Yeah, I'll be honest. That's not something that I'm really looking at. I'm more focused, as Colin said, on the long-term form. And I think the more you break things down super micro into, you know, the greens are changing, the type of rough is changing, you're going to find a lot of noisy data. You're going to find smaller sample sizes, and it might lead you towards guys that, you know, look like they can take advantage of this trend. And really, it's just small sample size noise. So I think you have to be very careful if you're going to break things down, you know, quite that well what i'll look for more is is this a course that historically rewards you know really good putters or do have we seen bad putters win on this course so i look at it more generically but even then i'm more focused on you know the most important thing is we have all this data in terms of round scores for golfers and we can compare them to the average score of the other golfers that play those rounds we can account for the strength of the field and when you start doing those type of things that's where you're really going to see separation in terms of who is the more skilled who is the more talented golfer and that's my driver of research so the green stuff i know some people get into it get really into those micro stats but that's not something i'm looking at week to week you listen to Going for the Green with Daily Roto's Mike Leone and Colin Drew tonight as we're getting here ready and prepared for the Sony Open. You know what's interesting is that DraftKings changed their scoring this week to the hole-in-one and double eagle bonuses. And, Mike, I remember a tournament, and I, I, I'm not sure if you prospered in this, but someone had a hole-in-one, and I went down like 800 spots in the tournament, and I was <laughs> like, what the hell just happened? And I look, someone had hit a hole-in-one. I'm glad, man. That was the that was disparaging. But if you were on the other end, I'm sure it was great. I did prosper from that one. Came in second at the uh, Million Maker yeah. for the Masters on uh, Matt Kuchar hitting a hole in one. I believe it was the 16th hole uh, there at Augusta on the final day in the final round. And the Daily Roto team was split there because Drew Dinkmeyer dropped in some contests. So uh, it, it was a pretty wild turn of events. And even though I did benefit significantly from that. I am in favor of the reduction in scoring here. It's just, it swings too much, especially when you've got a guy who just makes a cut. He does okay for four rounds. He gets that hole-in-one. You can't win without him. And I think that's really frustrating out of an event that, I mean, it's largely luck-driven, and you've seen the same thing with the Albatross scoring. So it's nice to see they have cut that back. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about this is an event with cuts. What is the strategy involved? If you played Daily Fantasy Golf last week, it was invite only. They had only the winners. Everybody played all four days. It's a different set of strategy as opposed to getting those top 70 golfers in the cut. How many of those do we have to get in to make some money during the week? And do these guys take their cash lineups and their turn lineups separately when we have a cut event? So you listen to Mike Leone, Colin Drew, and Going for the Green from DailyRoto.com. Make sure you head over to Daily Roto.com and get the best daily fantasy golf advice on the planet. They got shots in case you don't read. Nobody reads anymore. They got shots. They got pictures. They got graphs. Stay tuned for more for Going for the Green from Daily Roto. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com premium 
and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back to Going Green right here. Going Green from DailyRoto.com. Mike Leone, Colin Drew, absolutely getting it done. We're giving you all the golf information that you need to be successful in a fantasy golf. If you haven't tried it, try it. You'll love it. it. The sweat, as Mike talked about earlier, is passionate. You get four days, you throw in one entry fee, you're going to love it. And you get two big contests. You got that Friday when you're trying to make the cut with your golfers, and then, of course, Sunday. Mike, one of the things we're looking at is with the cut, half the field gets eliminated uh, thereabouts. How does this strategy work? I get six golfers at DraftKings. What am I trying to do? I, of course, I want all six in, but how many do I need to have a successful day? Yeah, one of the really interesting parts about DFS golf is the strategy can change week to week given the tournament setup, both in terms of whether or not there's a cut, how many golfers there are, but also in terms of what the scoring is going to be like. And we mentioned this is a course where you could see the winner at minus 20. So a lot of birdies are going to be made. And when you have that combination of a good scoring environment with a cut event, you're really trying to get six out of six golfers through the cut because you, it's going to be tough to make up for a guy who missed is the cut just based on good place points from the rest of your golfers because everybody that makes the cut is going to be putting up fantasy points given the positive scoring environment. So it's a little bit different than last week. For example, you could have gone really studs and duds because you knew you were getting four rounds out of your dud golfers, whereas this week that's not going to be the case. So I like a little bit of a more balanced lineup on the whole. I'll still have some rosters where I pay up for Jordan Spieth and whatnot, but I won't have a lot of rosters where I'm paying up for a couple of really high price studs. This week's slate at DraftKings has five golfers over 10,000. As Mike just mentioned, Jordan Spieth, 12,000. Justin Thomas, 11,600. Mark Leishman, 11,000. Brian Harmon, 10,600. Kevin Kisner, $10,000. Based on his balanced approach, Colin, Mike was just speaking about, who is the golfer that you would be most likely to own out of this group of the top golfers in price at DraftKings this week? I hate to go there just because it seems like the obvious answer, but to me, it's Jordan Spieth. I think one of the things is, even though you do need six six golfers to make it through cut, you still have to have the winner. And like Mike mentioned earlier, we have Jordan Spieth as two times more likely to win this event than anybody else in the field. And so I think starting with somebody like Spieth is a good way to go. I know that he struggled a little bit on the greens last week, but that's not the typical Jordan Spieth that we know. And his ball striking last week was exceptional. He ranked highly in the field in strokes gained approach and strokes gained tee to green. And so I'm thinking the putting last week was just a blip on the radar, and we can expect a strong performance from Spieth this week. Mike, would it be the one guy you, would it be Spieth or would it be someone else in this group? I like Spieth, but I think Mark Leishman's interesting as well. He's going to have, you know, we're projecting him for about half the ownership of Spieth, a little bit lower ownership than Justin Thomas, and both those guys are obviously more expensive than Leishman. He's got good course history here, and someone who just played really, really well last year. And I know I said I didn't get into micro stats a lot, but one thing that I think does have validity is if you look at Mark Leishman's swing speed, it improved dramatically last season, and I think that's something that is 
you know, it's not just a random, oh, does he putt well here or there. That's a legitimate skill growth out of Mark Leishman. And I think our model is capturing that legitimate skill growth by having him as a pretty decent value, even though he's priced up here as the third most expensive golfer in the field. I was on Leishman last week with the whole uh, win narrative, too, there. And it was looking good early in the tournament, and then it all went south as, uh, you know, that's happens in golf, Mike. Yeah, it it can change on a dime. It is it is <laughs> quite the swag. You you need all four days, uh, that's for sure. Colin, is it possible to put a competitive team together with two golfers from this group? I, I think it's it's possible, sure, but I, it definitely doesn't feel like the right way to go. Um, it feels like on a week where you really want to focus on getting six of six guys through the cut, because there are going to be so many birdies made on this course that if your guy is not playing on the weekend, you're really going to be losing ground, especially in tournaments. So I think the right approach is to grab one of these guys. Um, and you don't even have to grab a guy from this range, but I think if you are going to grab it, grab a one guy is the right approach. And then building a more balanced roster would probably maximize your chances of getting all six golfers through the cut. Mike, who's the one guy that you would stay away from this group that might be a little overpriced with Spieth, Thomas, Leishman, Harmon, and Kisner? I think Harmon is the least talented of this group of golfers. Uh, you could make an argument between him and Kisner, who we've got projected pretty closely. Harmon a touch higher, but Harmon's also $500 more expensive. You're not getting a huge ownership discount on him. We've got Kisner and Brian Harmon projected to be similarly owned to Mark Leishman. And so he's the one guy that I'm probably not going to have very much exposure to, possibly not any exposure at all. He's the one guy that's really uh, played really well recently. But you're right; he's not notoriously uh, one of the top golfers uh, in you know in this kind of uh, category there. Um, so the price tag has risen, and that's one of the things that people, if you haven't played daily fantasy sports before and you're just maybe a golf fan, uh, these prices change and they don't stay all season long based on performance, based on golf course. You know, you'll see a lot of these prices change. And a guy, there's nothing worse, Colin, right? When he used to own a guy at six thousand, and all of a sudden now he's at nine thousand dollar golfer even though he's putting up the numbers you don't want to pay that yeah i know you got to be price sensitive right and no it's one of those things that's frustrating especially when he burns you <laughs> now we have another group of golfers from nine in the nine thousand dollar range of zach uh johnson uh we have webb simpson russ henley and cam smith and when you look at this group it's a small group it's only four golfers in this wide range of variety here mike who's the guy uh, that you like out of this group yeah, so this group's interesting to me in the sense that I'm not I'm not a big fan of this group. And we talk about building hybrid balanced lineups where maybe you take a stud like Spieth in those 10K plus groups. But then I could honestly see building lineups where you bypass this uh, 9,000s group altogether and drop down to the 8,000 tier, which I mentioned earlier that I really, really like. Uh, if I had to pick a guy from this group, uh, the guy, what Webb Simpson's the guy that I like the most out of this group. Um, but it just feels, you know, just a little bit too expensive for a guy that I, I don't generally associate with a whole ton of upside. It's funny because in the DFS community, Webb Simpson seems like he's the plague. Like uh, he's a golfer that, uh, if you uh, following on Twitter during the day, Webb Simpson's mentioned a lot. Well, it's the putting. It, he's a bad putter, and uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. Well, there's a trend in DFS golf to really focus on the strokes gain metrics, which are important. But a lot of times we take guys like Webb Sensen, where like if he could, if he can just 
putt well this week if he can just put it together on the green so uh, Webb Simpson finds his way in his lineup inevitably you get stuck with some frustrating three putts from like 12 feet and then that's that's when everybody uh, on Twitter tilts Colin is there a guy that you like in this group or do you agree with Mike that this is a group you'll probably uh, bypass and go down to the $8,000 range I'd like Webb Simpson I think I'm more high on him and bullish than Mike is. I know our ownership projections have him as one of the lowest owned golfers uh, that has kind of reasonable top 20 odds. We mentioned his course history here. He has made the cut every time he's played this event. You mentioned the magic number 13. If he finishes 13th, I think that's fine for his price tag, depending what you do with the rest of your lineup. So I think Webb Simpson and Zach Johnson are kind of the two guys that have piqued my interest a little bit in this range. And then I definitely love the next next range that we're going to get into. Before we get into that, I know there's people listening for the first time that said, what the hell are they talking about? Ownership projection. What is that? Now, Mike, first of all, how do you come in? How do you put a number of what you think a guy is going to be owned? And secondly, how does that affect you building rosters in Daily Fantasy Golf? Well, I'll start with the second question first. I'll let Colin, uh, after I'm done, talk about the ownership projection, how he comes up with the number, because he's actually the one who does come up with that number. But in Daily Fantasy Golf, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it's a highly variant sport, especially because it's a cut event uh, this week. And that cut drives up variance because you don't have a full four days to flush out who are the best golfers. And uh, also, as we mentioned with the win probabilities, Jordan Spieth, really high win probability, still only 12%. Uh, and as a result of this variance, sometimes it pays to really take a game theory approach. If you've got a guy that's projected to you know, win 12% of the time, another guy similarly priced projected to win 9% of the time, if that guy who's projected to win 9% of the time is going to be you know, half the ownership of the top guy, he's actually a better play in a tournament format where it's a top-heavy payout structure. So one of the cool things with our projections is you can view these ownership projections, and they're displayed really nicely right by right next to the value column, the total points column. So it helps you put everything together. And also our tool to make lineups, we have a lineup optimizer, you can cap the total projected ownership in a lineup. So uh, maybe you don't know exactly where the game theory play is, but you know you don't want your total ownership in the lineup to be over 120%. Well, we have the tools to help you make lineups in that way. Con, you're the guy with the magic potion, so how does it work? How do we figure out these ownership projections? I mean, we sat through an election where people got it wrong. How do you get it right? (laughs) Can't give away all the secret sauce, but one of the big things that we look at is the golfer's price. We look at uh, his odds to win the tournament based on uh, the Vegas sports books is something that a lot of people look at. We look at his average fantasy performance. And then there's also a website called Fanshare Sports. And what they do is they aggregate sort of all the talking heads in the industry, everyone who's writing an article, doing a podcast, who's mentioning who. And so you can look and be like, wow, Siwoo Kim is the second most mentioned golfer this week after Jordan Spieth. And you can factor that into the ownership projections. Well, that's pretty intense. I'm pretty fired up about that. And coming back, you got to stay with us on Going with the Green with Mike Leone and Colin Drew. These guys are educating you. These guys are going to help you out. And this is the group of golfers they're looking forward to. We're going to get in the $8,000 range where some of these guys are going to help you out when you put your lineup together, get your six for six through. And then all of a sudden, you know what? You're saying, hey, Tony, I like golf. 
Where have you been all my life? I'm a DFS golf fiend. I love it. So stay tuned for more for going for the green. All right, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 24 hours a day, seven days a week of the best fantasy sports information. We'll be back with more picks after this. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Welcome back to Going for the Green with DailyRoto.com's Mike Leone and Colin Drew as we're getting ready for the Sony Open. I like to be in Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii. That'd be good for a field trip. Mike, you ever been to Hawaii? Hawaii and Buffalo are two opposites. I've been to Hawaii. Yeah, it's awesome there. Of course, coming from Buffalo, the, the gap in a weather lifestyle and everything probably makes it even better for me than the average person. How about yourself, Colin? You a uh, guy that have been to Hawaii yet? No, no. I, I think Hawaii is one of those things when you finish second in the millionaire maker at the Masters and you get to go to Hawaii. And <laughs> when you don't, and you don't go to Hawaii, you stay in D.C. like me. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Now uh, I'm with you there, Colin. I'm with you there. I think that uh, that's the whole thing. I got to hit one of these things, and that's what I'll do. I'll go to Hawaii. See, now I got Now I have a goal, Mike. So now I'm focused on my goal, and I need you to help me out. <laughs> The All right, let's do it. Ran- help you out. Uh, all right, here we go. $8,000 range golfers are Tony Fanau, Chase Howell III, Daniel Berger, Alexander Schaufelt, Saiwoo Kim, as we mentioned him twice in the show today, Ollie Snyder Jams, Willie McGirt, Bill Haas, Jimmy Lusbach, and Chase Arivi. When you look at these golfers here, Mike, who is the guy that sticks out to you? I know that we all love to seem to play Tony Fanau, and it's funny because we play him because he's a long hitter, and then we play him when, he, when his other courses that are not a long It'll, like people just keep playing Tony for now, and uh, he usually doesn't live up to what we expect. Oh, I I don't know about that. I'm one of the guys who always plays Tony for now, and when it was six thousand, right? Didn't he he do better than when now that he's eight thousand nine hundred? He still had some really strong performances, and he finished all of last season tenth in strokes gained tee to green. You know, limited sample size this year. He's second in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, as you said, he's a bomber. He's a long hitter, and that's where my affinity yeah. started. But his approach game was really strong last year, which contributed to those tee to green metrics. And the only part where he really struggled was around the green and the putting. And if he can put that together, I think the upside's massive here. You know, right now, Data Golf has him with the fourth highest win probability in the tournament. Everyone else they have mm. higher is Leishman, Thomas, and Spieth. You know, that's eleven thousand one hundred dollars or more expensive and he's only eighty nine hundred dollars so you're getting a lot of upside but i think 
it's not just a high upside variance play. He's a DK scorer. And when, when we say that, he's someone who's going to make birdies. He's going to take advantage of a course that provides a lot of birdie opportunities. And, you know, the beginning of last year, Justin Thomas was known as a more volatile bomber type, but a young golfer with a ton of upside. And he really broke out in a significant way. And I like targeting golfers like that at the beginning of the season who are good plays based on what they did last season. But there's potential for them to grow beyond that. So you've got Daniel Berger in this range as well, a longer hitter, and I think he fits that profile as well. So these are two guys that I'm really targeting because I think they're good plays as is, but there's potential for some hidden upside beyond that. Yeah, what Mike is referring to out there is if you get a, a bogey and a birdie, you end up plus in that situation there. So you want to get guys that take chances that it can hit the ball a long ways. And uh, that's where Tony Finau comes in play. Colin, is there a guy here you like besides Finau and Berger? I like a lot of this range. I think we talked about wanting to get six of six guys through the cut. And so starting with one guy from up top, you can pick a couple guys from this range. Obviously, Finau and Berger are – Daily Roto Darlings, we always love them. But another guy that I'm interested in is uh, Xander Shifley. And the first tournament he won last year was the Greenbrier Classic, which is a similar setup to this, at least as far as the scoring environment goes and the number of birdies. And, you know, this guy has also won the Tour Championship and rattled off a string of impressive uh, performances in the fall. And so I think that for a guy who came off a little bit of a poor performance last week, his ownership's going to be really low, and he's got all the upside that you would want from a golfer in this range. You know, it's interesting when you look at this range and uh, you put it together. Mike, you could realistically get three, four guys in here and then disregard those top group as you mentioned in that nine thousand dollar group would something like that work mike or is that like a would it be more beneficial to do that in a cash game or a, a tournament if you went and try to get a balanced approach to put four of these golfers in I think you can do that in any format really this week. I just think it lends itself towards one of the more optimal ways of building. But I, if I'm making a cash game lineup, I probably do want to you know, take a, a chalkier, expensive spend in Jordan Spieth. And as a result, I might only be able to get a second golfer from this tier. But I will certainly, if I'm entering a tournament where you've got, let's say, three max entries, I'll have a lineup where I go really, really balanced and take, as you mentioned, like four or five golfers from this tier um, and have an entire lineup that's pretty much golfers between $7,000 and $9,000. Colin, who's the guy that you'll uh, least likely own in this group or someone you'll avoid? Um, as far as someone, I actually think that most of the guys in this group you can play. Like you said, if you look at one of the things that Data Golf offers at Daily Roto is the, their top 20 projections. And if you want to get as many golfers inside the top 20 as you can, the best way to do it is actually by grabbing four or five guys from this range. So I think all of them make sense as plays. I think that Siwoo Kim is probably the guy I'm least likely to own. He's actually our lowest projected golfer in this group, and he carries the highest ownership projections. So that's something in tournaments where when we don't have him projected high, we know he's going to be popular. That's a spot where we want to get off of him and fade him. And so Siwoo Kim probably seems like the guy I'm most likely to fade in the tournaments. You know, coming up next is the golfers under 8,000, and there's one golfer that I think I play, like, every week. I don't know. Do you have, Mike, do you have one of those golfers that you fall in love with? 
I I have a few of them, but for now, this week, right off the bat, we're we're getting it done early. Our first show of the the year, and that's the guy that I think I played more than any other golfer last season. Yeah, for me, it's this Jason Duffner. It's seventy three hundred bucks. You know, I fell in love with the story how he had this beautiful wife, and he wasn't the most best looking guy. And then they <laughs> separated, and then he always was consistent. He doesn't hit the ball long. He doesn't hit it far, but he just keeps it in the fairway, and it just keeps going, going. And he usually make always makes the cut. And it's seventy three hundred bucks. I love the guy, uh, Mike. Who's to use the guy you uh, have under eight thousand? Yeah, Duffner and, and Gary Woodland, I think, are by far the two best yeah. plays, sub $8,000. And uh, Duffner is someone who, you know, another guy who's not really known for his putting, but really was awesome, tee to green last season. And he was, if you played him a lot last season, you did really well because he was one of those guys that felt like the price kept rising. And, you know, at a certain point, people were afraid to keep playing him and he just kept performing. But Gary Woodland is someone, when you look at long term form, just looks like he should be more expensive. And uh, as Colin had mentioned last year, he was dealing with some personal stuff at times throughout the season that, you know, more than likely affected his performance. So uh, as a result, he looks to be one of the more underpriced golfers on the entire slate. Yeah, Gary Woodland was strange last year, Colin, because I think that he's a guy that can bomb the ball. And he had a new coach, and everybody was uh, all excited at the start of the season, um, but it, it didn't uh, come in there. Who's the one guy you like at under 8,000? I think you guys nailed the best plays as far as safety. I think that Duffner and Woodland both made over 80% of their cuts last year. So in this event where we expect a lot of birdies on the weekend, that's a really nice security blanket. But there are a couple names in here that I think have a lot of upside that um, might not be quite as popular amongst the the kind of talking heads and everything. And uh, one of those guys is Kevin Na, who we have projected very similarly to Duffner. But his ownership is going to come at a fraction. And so in tournaments where so much of the money is paid to like the top 1% of finishers, I think when you look at Kevin Na at like 5% ownership compared to Jason Duffner at 15 or, or 20%, it seems like a no-brainer that Kevin Na is the better play there. And then another guy that I like um, who might be popular amongst hardcore golf fans, but less so amongst the casual crowd is uh, Peter Uline. And this is an American golfer who actually plays on the European tour and is working to get a card on both tours. And he's a guy that the data golf projections like a lot. And one of the things that I love about what they do is they're not just looking at PGA tour data. They're also looking at how golfers are doing on the European tour and on the web.com tour and, and merging that all into one projection. So he's another guy that I think you can get at a low ownership to go alongside with your woodlands and Duffners here. You know, it's interesting when you get to the bottom of the barrel there, uh, Mike, and you're trying to get these uh, last few golfers, it would seem to me that there's always one, two or three of these guys that stick out at the lower dollar prices. Do the lower golfers have a, a higher ownership percentage than we see in some of the top price golfers because they're so out of place? They, generally, what happens with the lower price golfers is the ownership exposure to them gets really spread out unless there's an obvious mispricing. So if you're talking about you know the sub $7,000 golfers, a lot of times people who build studs and duds lineup, you know, up top, we mentioned there's only five golfers above $10,000 to get exposure to. So the ownership ends up somewhat concentrated, especially when you got an outlier like Spieth up there. But to make those lineups, you get people that are spreading out their exposures across many different 
current sub 7k golfers so uh unless there's an obvious mispricing you're generally going to see single digit ownerships on a lot of these sub 7k golfers you're listening to Going for the Greens initial podcast. You guys are all fired up. We're on the radio on FNTSY.com radio every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern, so you can tune in live. You can actually call in the future. You want to call during the show and ask these guys for some advice, 844-843-6879 is the number to do that. When we come back from break, I'm going to throw my head on the chopping block. I'm going to tell these guys my single-entry lineup. And some of these guys, they said they liked, and some they don't like. So we'll find out what the heck is going to happen, because I need to go to Hawaii. I got some lotion, but I don't have a place to use it. So I got a towel. I got a lotion. I'm halfway there. I just need DailyRoto.com to help me out, and you can get the help from them. Go to DailyRoto.com and make sure you get the best advice on the planet. Like I said, they got graphs. They got charts. They've got winning experience. They'll help you build a lineup, so make sure you do it. It's Tony Sicada. This is Going for the Green. We'll be back with my lineup and more after this. So you don't want to go anywhere. You made it this far. It'd be like quitting a marathon 24 miles in. What was the purpose of even trying? Stay tuned for more Going for the Green. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Oh, nice swing music as we go out on Going for the Green with Daily Rotos. Mike Leone and Colin Drew. This is the part of the show where uh, I'm going to ask the guys to critique my lineup and see you there. When you go over to DailyRoto.com, Mike, you guys got a chat a chat place, right, where people get in there and they talk about what they're going to do and what they're going to play and they can help each other out? Yeah, we have a Slack invite. Uh, I don't know if if you use Slack, but it's a really cool chat interface. It's it was originally developed for businesses to communicate with teams, but we've sent it out to our community and we've seen the interaction there just absolutely skyrocket. So uh, there is a link if you sign up for our DailyRoto.com premium access, you're going to get an invite to our Slack chat. There you go, and you get uh, the guys there helping you out, and you'll also get a lot of the players out there uh, hanging out during the day. You can talk about some of the guys uh, that you guys are considering. Here's my lineup I'm going to use in my single-entry tournament. Zach Johnson, 9500 bucks. He's a bit done decent the last two times at this course. Jason Duffner, we talked about my love affair with him at 7,300. You guys mentioned Peter Yilhein. He's played well at 7,700. Brian Harmon, I'm riding the 10,600. He's hot there. Gary Woodland, 7,800 bucks. He's underpriced. And Russell Knox, I thought $7,100 was underpriced there. Colin, what do you think of my lineup here? Do I got a shot here in a single entry tournament, or should I cancel my vacation in Hawaii? <laughs> I think you got a shot in a single entry. There are a couple spots that, you know, we, we like other guys a little bit more, but I guess to start with the positive, you know, I think all of us were on board with Duffner and Woodland. 
especially in a single entry or three max type game, you know, I think those guys are 80% to make the cut, really likely to be playing on the weekend, and that gives you a nice floor to start with. I also like the Russell Knox call as a potential bounce back candidate. You know, this is a guy that at his peak, I think, got up to 18th in the world in 2016. Had a little bit of a down season last year, but someone that I'm sure has been working on his game in the offseason. And, you know, he'd been no lower than 30th in the world since 2015 before kind of slipping a little bit last year. So potentially a buy low opportunity that you have there on a bounce back candidate, which I like. Mike, what's your thoughts here? You're a lot tougher here. Huh? So what do you got going on? I, I just this Zach Johnson play, man, I can't get on board with it. I just can't. And one of the cool things we have with the data golf package on daily roto is this player comparison tool and you compare johnson to some of these guys in the 8k i mean i know i've already uh for tony Fanau a lot but if you compare them side by side Fanau is way higher in terms of top 10 percentage average DraftKings and FanDuel points relative to the field birdies relative to the field so i just can't get on board with that type of play i think you drop down to that 8k range and take one of those guys especially unless you're getting a huge discount on ownership which i don't think you are with zach johnson because people like that course history narrative let me ask you guys a question you guys are product you've got golfers that are, are good uh based on the price on DraftKings, FanDuel, uh any other sites or how does that work if people are playing on different sites mike so we've got projections for both FanDuel and DraftKings. We only have ownership projections for DraftKings, but everything else is tailored for DraftKings and FanDuel. So uh, that's really neat. It's just a quick little toggle that you can play on both sites. You can get the value rankings are updated for both sites. And the way value is calculated is also really cool. It's based on a simulation of uh, 5,000 lineups and the chances that a golfer will be in that lineup. From there, they calculate that metric. So it involves not only the player score and salary, but how they mesh with roster construction on the week. Absolute great stuff. I want to thank Chris Pavona for putting the show together. Uh, George Cabobo for making it all happen. Uh, you guys, Mike and uh, Colin, you guys get to meet George. He's my favorite man in Boston. Uh, he uh, keeps us on the air. And uh, these two guys, they're absolutely getting it done. So head over to DailyRoto.com and check them out. You can also subscribe on iTunes so you get the show delivered to your device each and every day. As soon as it's done, bang, it goes there and you get it. Or you can show up next Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll be back with Going for the Green. Tony Sincata, Mike Leone, Colin Drew, we're out of here. Good luck this weekend.